Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran Philadelphia-based award-winning jazz bassist Mark Johnson. He opened up about his debut 2021 CD called Overpass with a decisive and intriguing contribution to ECM's solo bass tradition. This Nebraska-born bassist first came to a broader attention and audience in the late 1970s as a member of the famed Bill Evans' Last Trio, where the two Nardis became effectively a workshop for nightly discoveries about the bassist's potential as a lead voice. He has compiled quite a career in jazz, and he opens up all about it. Enjoy the stories. Hey, thank you for taking a minute out, Mark. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. You bet. So let's talk about Overpass first and foremost, and it's coming out during this very strange time on planet Earth with this, you know, this virus and everything that's been going on. How does it feel to have an album out now, kind of as the live music picks up and just we haven't had a lot of communication with the fans because of this live music shutdown? Yeah, it's true. Uh, it has been a strange time. Uh, you know, uh, we all have to kind of pivot and do do different things and do do, do things differently. And to connect with the fans, I mean, it's just been kind of on hiatus, frankly, for me anyway. It's nice to have a project out, and we're in the media uh, talking about it. And, uh, you know, we can be on social media and, and, and connect that way. And I think that's the best we can do right now. And I just uh, hope everybody stays patient and, and vigilant and, and healthy. Stay safe. <laughs> Without a doubt. So what are you hoping the, the fans, the audience gets from this latest release? How do you want them to feel about this music? Well, you know, I don't know how if I want them to feel anything. I, for me, it was a project that uh, had been in the back of my mind to do sometime in my lifetime. You know, I, I, playing a string bass alone has certain uh, problems, you know, and to deliver a complete musical message, you know, melody, harmony, and rhythm. And to do it with just four strings is an interesting uh, task. <laughs> and so if I want to say anything, I just hope people listen to it with a, an open mind and, 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 and hear it for what it is and, you know, make their own determinations of uh, how it affects them. There are moments that are uh, contemplative and there are moments that are just, you know, uh, very rhythmic, very kind of different sense of pulse. So it's not all like beat music it's there's pulse but it's uh, elliptical pulses happening sometimes there's other things that are really obvious the beat is very regular and very um like you kind of standard type beat music you could tap your toe to it you can still tap your toe to the elliptical things but you're going to find that the listener will find it they're tapping on on two and four on, on one measure and one and three on the next measure so it's it's like that it's kind of interesting that way. So, you know, during this time of quarantine and lockdown, it's been very self-reflective for everyone. We've all been in the same boat. How are you emerging stronger because of this? What did you experience over this that was either revelatory or self-reflective that's going to make you a stronger musician as you come out? Well, I mean, we all have to be patient, right? And um, we're so, uh, at least my wife and I have been so... Um, motivated to be on the road and be doing things like that that uh, and very organized in our time and 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 very you know kind of compressed in a certain way so in another way our time 
what we can do with our time is 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 a different thing. You know, it's uncompressed, so you have to. It's still organized, but it's like you just have longer distance <laughs> when things are going to get done. You know, so. I don't know what to say about that. It's just uh, keep the, you know, it, it can be challenging. Sometimes we go up and down, uh, I do anyway, uh, emotionally. And our nervous systems are just more wired for more, a different kind of work uh, mode. We have to be a little more self-disciplined and, you know, keep the faith. You know, we really have to be patient. So you have Midwestern roots with Nebraska, and I always think about musicians that are as esteemed as you that have been around as long as you. and. There's names like Bill Evans and Miles Davis that ruminate around your biography. And I want to know, we all have that flashpoint. We all have that gateway drug to get to jazz. What was yours? What made you say, this is cool, this is a life I want to live? It happened it, for me in, uh, uh, at the university, you know, um, in those early years in Texas, Texas. And I knew I wanted to be a bass player, but I didn't know where it was going to go. I could because I was studying pretty heavily in the classical uh, uh, arena. About midway through my four years at North Texas State University, I decided I wanted to go into jazz, and that was going to be my direction. But even then, you don't know how you're going to make a living. You just have this leap of faith that what you're doing is something you really love, and you follow that. It's kind of like that Joseph Campbell uh, book about myths, you know, myths. You, you follow your bliss. And if you're doing that and really being true to yourself, I think the universe sort of will ex- expand for you and, and you'll find yourself on some path. I mean, I told Bill Evans this uh, when I saw him, I, when I was with him. I said, you know, if I had I never even been able to play with him, I had never had that opportunity I still would have chosen to go into a piano trio format of some kind or another in some city or another or in some group or another. You know, I, that was a direction for me that got established really early there in my university. I loved the piano trio format. I liked what was happening in the Bill Evans trio for the bass chair. I thought it was real expansive, you know, a different way of playing. And a very creative way of playing. Um, so I wanted to go in that direction. And that's how life, you know, started for me in music. And that's my flashpoint, you know, the Bill Evans trio and that conception of playing. The malleability of who we are in our brains when we're younger is very profound. And probably at an early point in your career of hooking up with Bill Evans, probably pointed you in very defined directions throughout your career. What did you learn the most? not only as a musician, but as a person during that period that has been so beneficial to you throughout all of these years of being a musician? You know, you still have to work at it, and no matter, uh, you know, you, you think you arrived at a certain situation, you know, you know, oh, now I've arrived, and life's, I'm going to, you can't coast. You have to keep working at it. It's a, it's a, really is a journey. It's a process, of, and, and it never stops. It's a work in progress. And the record that I made just now of Overpass, I mean, I don't feel like I could have made that uh, 30 or 40 years ago. So it's it, whatever I'm doing now is a culmination of so many different m- musical environments that I've been in and, and thought about so many different things and been exposed to so many different musics and, and whatnot and players. And so it's, to me, what I learned then is have a sense of humility and keep your work ethic and continue doing what you love to do. 
you know, another part of your life that's very topical is Lyle Mays, and 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 he was amazing and did such so so many great things in the world of jazz. And again, what was it like to be around that aura, to be around that musicmanship? Well, Lyle was definitely uh, a kick in the pants <laughs> when I was at at school when we were coming up together. I mean, he he was a a real force of nature and such a gifted uh, musician at an early age writing incredible arrangements and really stretching the technical abilities, not only of ev- of me, but of everybody in the band, really um, writing for that big band. And he was, in a certain sense, you know, bringing whatever sensibilities that he had. He loved Stravinsky, and he also loved Frank Zappa and, and a lot of other music. So, you know, all that came to bear, and uh, at that time I was still playing electric bass, and uh, as well as string bass, so I was pretty immersed uh, in that world. Of uh, Lyle was really imaginative, and, and, and again, uh, very colorful in his arranging. And he was also had a very high standard for performance himself, and he and he expected that uh, of everyone around him. And so we we came up to that bar. He was like a great captain of a football team or something, you know. <laughs> Rally yeah. around me, boys. I got the ball. Let's go. Let's go. And it was like that. And and we all uh, worked hard during those years. Yeah, sounds like a Patrick Mahomes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the one thing that I'm always fascinated with when I talk to the, somewhat the elders or veterans of the world of jazz is that there's this torch for jazz that continues to go. And you really do bridge an old world when you talk about Bill Evans with this newer world. What do you... How do you see the crop of jazz players that are coming up? Your role in keeping this flame of jazz alive and, and burning bright to the future generations? Well, jazz has always been one of those uh, musics that reveres its its forefathers, you know, and, it, and, and, and the game used to be, oh, you can tell he, where he's coming out of this, he's coming out of that, and these are the, this is the trunk of the tree, and these are the branches, and this is, you know, you can really see the lineage of players uh that used to be the game you know back in the 50s 60s 70s you know even in the 80s i don't know if it's that way anymore um because it's it's become such a world phenomenon and i think the cross-cultural aspects of improvise improvising and you know music in general uh, has had quite an influence what i would hope is that People, young people, don't lose sight of the fundamentals of of music and what makes music great. Don't settle. I mean, I mean, jam bands are fine and everything, but I really like uh, music that it has uh, some substance, you know, melodically, rhythmically, and 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 harmonically, you know, harmonically, rhythmically, melodically. I like it. It needs to have some strength, and so you have to keep in mind your audience, of course, and satisfy yourself but at the same time you know i like the influence of pop music i'm not such a big fan of rap music to me music i, I just like to have more harmony in in, in in what i'm listening to you know what i mean yeah i dig it i do yeah. totally mm-hmm. yeah so you know you've been at this for quite a while and i'm i'm wondering you know every day you get to wake up you get to create you're a a creative person, you get to put out music and make music. What's the most enjoyable part of being a professional musician for you? For me, it's it's going on the bandstand and 
your level of intensity or concentration goes up when you're in front of an audience. And we haven't had that for a couple of years here, but um, it's hopefully we're going to come out of this pandemic pretty soon, go on the road. We have some dates lined up for the fall. For me, it's that that moment to create in a, in a group setting and reach for something that you couldn't, you know, it's that being in the act of creating is the most enjoyable thing. And I push, I, I enjoy it more in front of an audience. Let's say you have a dream tonight. You run into your younger self around the time that you were getting ready to start. You were hungry and this career was beginning. <laughs> and you can ask your, and you can tell your younger self one piece of advice based on what you've learned throughout all these years. And this isn't a regret, regret question. This is imparting wisdom onto youth. What would you tell your younger self? Wow. Hmm. Uh, well, it's hard not to see it in terms of regret. <laughs> <For> <laughs> But uh, because, I, you know, I've been pretty, I'd say stay true to yourself. Keep the faith because there are going to be a lot of moments when you're going to doubt that you should, you know, there could be these moments where you're going to doubt that you're in the right place. And just hang in there, you know. That's the advice I would give. As we do return to live music and things are starting to open up and we get more into it in earnest, what do you hope we all realize about the power of live music that we've been away from for so long? You know, whenever you do things in community with a group of people, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, but especially when you're there to listen um, and participate in a live performance event, it's a real special thing because uh, it becomes greater than the sum of the parts. And when an audience can really participate in a way when they're listening and applauding and it's just this experience that you can't have in any, any other way. So I'm just really all, hopefully all of us will get back to that and, and realize what we've been missing and truly appreciate and give it up, you know, when we get there because it's, um, it's, a, it's a way overdue experience. Final question for you is this. Everyone has a perception or an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fan base, but ultimately you live your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? You know... <laughs> I've always strived for a certain balance in my life. And um, although I make a living play as a bassist, and I, that is a lot of who I am or what I am, I'm also uh, a father, and now I'm a grandfather, I'm a husband. And I, I really feel like, you know, on some spiritual level, um, we, I, I was here for a purpose. And it's a real cliche to say it's the journey, not the destination, but... It really is. And if you just open up, you know, I've, if people know me, just want to see that, that, you know, there's a person who's, um, has a, has a bit of, a little more depth than, 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 uh, just trying to make a living. You know what I mean? I do. It's a great answer. Mark, thank you for taking some time out to talk about the project, this world we're living in, and your, your world of music. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Joe, and, and thanks again. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Nebraska, Philadelphia, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Mark for his time, honesty, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.